0: into the teaching today i've titled it no shame turn to someone next to you and say no shame say it again say no shame last week we looked at how doubting thomas had this encounter with jesus that transformed everything transformed everything jesus had died he had resurrected and he began to appear to them and thomas had a real issue as to whether or not jesus had really resurrected he had an issue believing in that because of what he had went through after that engagement with jesus everything turned around for him but if we forward keep moving forward in the storyline another week or so i want to look at this moment where peter goes back to his old lifestyle he's encountered Jesus' resurrection he's encountered him face to face at least twice up until this point but he goes back so if you will turn with me to john chapter 21 we're gonna look in verse one In John chapter 21, John records it. He says, and after Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. Verse 3, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we will go with you or we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. If you'll continue reading the rest of this passage, you'll realize that this is a moment where Peter is actually going back to his old lifestyle. He didn't just decide to go fishing that night. He was walking away from the call of God on his life. He was walking and he was going back to his old ways of living. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? And there's one key reason, shame. Everybody say shame. You can say it better than that, say shame. Shame. See, remember, before the crucifixion, Peter had covenanted with Jesus, I will not run away. Jesus is saying, listen, they're going to come, they're going to get me, you guys are going to scatter, it's been prophesied. And Peter stands up and he says, I will not, I will go with you even until the death. Jesus said, Peter before the rooster crows three times you're gonna deny deny me no I will not I will not now you gotta understand Peter is kinda like the big brother to all these other guys in fact I can prove it in scripture we don't have time today but all of the disciples were under the age of 20 except for Peter so he is if you will vice president of this organization Jesus Peter they all look to Peter in fact uh, Jesus multiple times when he would pull aside he would take three of them Peter James and John Peter is If you will the strongest the most vocal he is the leader there's always a pecking order in a group of people in the office that you work in or on the team that you work for that group there's always someone who just has more the leadership role even if they don't have the position or the title Peter is the main leader amongst the disciples and he stands up in front of everybody and says I will go to the death with you I will I will die with you that night they came and got Jesus and everyone scattered, including Peter. Peter snuck up to multiple little gatherings that were outside of where Jesus was being tried multiple times through the night, three times. Hey, aren't you with that Jesus guy? No, 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 he lies. He lies. No, I'm not. I'm not with it. Are you kidding me? Wait a minute, your accent sounds like those guys. Like, aren't you? No, no. And by the third time, a little servant girl, the Bible says, comes and says, hey, aren't you, weren't you with Jesus? I mean, he's being tried in there. Aren't you on his team? And the Bible says that he gets so angry that he curses her. Blank blanking. I told you I'm not with him. And the rooster crows at that moment as the sun is starting to rise. And I believe that Jesus, who was in that space, Looked across the crowd of people, and I believe they probably parted just a little bit, and their eyes met. And Peter felt the shame. I said that I wouldn't, and I did it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I promised you that I would be beside you, and I ran away like everybody else. I said that I wouldn't sin against you, but I have. And I would imagine that he would have been just like Judas because once Judas recognized his wickedness, he went out and killed himself. Peter didn't kill himself, but he quit the ministry. He said, I'm walking away. Jesus has resurrected. So I, I would imagine there's a little bit of reprieve like, okay, wow, at least I wasn't tricked. He really was the Messiah. But these other ten dudes are looking at him like, What are we going to do now? Jesus is no longer grabbing them by the hand every morning when they wake up and taking them into prayer. Come on, you with me? They don't have their mentor. They don't have the Messiah walking throughout the day answering every question. He's gone. He showed up a couple times. But what does the future look like when you have been a liar and you have denied him? Nowhere in that process Does it show that Jesus and Peter had an engagement until this moment in reference to his sin, in reference to his brokenness? So they go forth, and I think the shame is killing him. In fact, here's how I would identify shame, because I think shame is carrying some of us down the wrong road. Shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by a strong sense of guilt. Everybody say guilt. It's important for you to know that you can have guilt and not feel shame. But you can never feel shame and not have guilt. In fact, shame flows from guilt, especially when it's not dealt with in a healthy manner. All guilt is the result of sin. And it is guilt over sin that weighs heavy upon us as humans. And this is the guilt and the shame that Peter is carrying in this moment. But God made it this way. God made us to feel shame or guilt, if you will, so that when we sin against him, there is this inward awareness of wrongdoing. Uh, Sin, that we can see it, we can sense it, that guilt makes us feel that way, while simultaneously there's this desire inside of us, I don't want to live this way, though. That's what the believer is supposed to be like. So when we sin and guilt, or the inner awareness of wrongdoing, comes, we feel it, we sense it, but many times it's marked by one of two things it's marked number one by conviction write that word down i want you to understand this word conviction see conviction is from the holy spirit the bible says that the holy spirit will convict the world of sin righteousness and the judgment to come you be, you're praying and believing if you have children that they will have conviction about sin because you won't be there every moment throughout the day as they go to school or they're hanging out with their friends in the neighborhood, whatever they're doing. So you're hoping, praying and believing that the spirit of the Lord will convict them from going into wickedness, from doing drugs, from being sexually deviant, from, from, from hurting someone, from being a liar or a manipulator. You're, you're As a parent, as a Christian parent, that's what I'm I'm believing for that inward conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. Conviction is good, everybody say good. No, say it again, say it's good. And the thing about conviction that I've learned is that it's specific. It's about a wrongdoing. So you'll be convicted that on Tuesday you did that, or you said that, or you acted that way. And that's totally different from the next word, and that is condemnation. Everybody say condemnation. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from where? The pit of hell, Satan himself. The Bible actually tells us in the book of Revelation That he is the accuser of the brethren. He is the condemner. And what conviction does in its specific, what i found many times is condemnation is general. You're just a bad person. You're just no good. You can never be good. You're just a horrible individual. It's more vague and broad and not specific. What I love about my Holy Spirit is that he comes straight to the point and says, you did this. That's sin. That's wrong what Satan does he says you're just a terrible person you can never be good enough you will never be right before God you are not worthy of any kind of love and what he does with that is many times con- condemnation has to do with identity whereas conviction has to do with the action many times your identity's not good enough and this is how he uses what is God's plan to bring us to repentance he takes that guilt of our sin and he begins to condemn us over it but oh friend I'm so grateful that the Lord says in his holy scripture that we've been set free from condemnation for there is no now no longer any condemnation for those who believe are you with me say yes in fact I love what second Corinthians says in chapter 7 verse 10 for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation see conviction produces repentance and that brings life that brings salvation. Continuing on, it says, without regret, whereas worldly grief or condemnation produces death. You need to understand the difference in this. So that when God is convicting When his Holy Spirit is convicting you can respond Properly and know that wait a minute That's not conviction that's condemnation Satan's trying to get me to quit And saying that my identity is this We may be sinners saved by God and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God but at the end Of the day I'm a son of the king of Kings and the lord of lords and though I trip And though I fall and though I stumble and though I Sin he still calls me son Are you with me say yes I'm still His he calls me righteous Not because I'm righteous because the blood of Jesus covers me and makes me righteous. Are you tracking? Say yes. Whereas the enemy says, "No, you're not. You're always a liar. You're going to be. You are a liar when you were a kid, and you're a liar now. You are a pervert when you were little, and you're a pervert now. And God has no real. You cannot really serve the Lord, and He condemns and condemns, and He goes after your identity. But see, here's the beauty of being a true Christian." When when you figure out who your identity is and you know who you are in Christ, then though you stumble and though you fall, you just say, Lord, I know I did that. I repent. Have mercy on me. And Jesus says, I take your sin. And I throw it as far as the east as to the west. And I remember it no more. Are you tracking? Say yes. And so Peter is carrying the shame. Days have gone by. And they're all looking at him. So what are we going to do? But he's under condemnation. He's under shame. He knows what he was called to do. He knows that Jesus has set this whole thing up so that these disciples will continue the work of the Lord. He's been told, uh, you're not fishers. I, I no longer are you a fisherman, but you're a fishers. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He has the clarity on what his purpose and his identity is supposed to be. But after he's lied three times, after he has denied three times, after he has failed To own up to his word that he said he would never run away that he would go to the death and when he got in that moment he was scared of dying I don't want to die with Jesus. when he saw them beating him and they begin to shred his back with that cat of nine tails whip and he saw the blood and he said ah self-preserving I'll just deny I'll just walk away I don't want to be a part of this and now he's dealing with the guilt or the shame of that and so he says to the guys hey I don't know what y'all are going to do, but I'm going to go back fishing because I guess the whole ministry concept is over because I wasn't good enough to do it. And as they're out there fishing all night long, they catch nothing. These men had been professional fishermen. Seven of them are out there fishing through the night, and they use these nets where they cast them out, and they pull them back in. And what would happen is as the net fell down on top of the fish that were under the water, it would catch them in the net, and they would pull them back in. They've been doing this all night long, all night long. All night long, nothing. Right as the sun was starting to rise, some dude on the shoreline says, hey, you guys caught anything? I would imagine that these fishermen's first thought was, what is it to you? It's none of your business what we've been doing. I would imagine that was the first thought that went through their mind. But being cordial, they said, no, we hadn't really caught anything. And then the voice yells out again as the sun is starting to rise. Why don't you throw on the other side of your boat? I don't know about you, but my carnal way of thinking would have been like, "Are you serious? Like, do do I look like an idiot? Like, somehow the fish have all gotten on this side and we didn't notice them?" But in graciousness, someone said, "Well, we've been doing it all night long. We might as well. Maybe he can see something we can't see." and they throw the net on the other side of the boat and the bible says as they begin to draw it up that it was so full of fish and it uses the term large fish there's nothing fun about fishing and catching small fish you've never heard a story about oh we had a great day we caught a hundred small fish In fact, every fisherman exaggerates how big that fish really are ha ha It starts here in the storyline, and three months later it's here. Next year at Christmas, it's here, right? The Bible says there are large fish. In fact, there was 153 that they caught in a net, so much so that they could not pull the net into the boat. In the moment of trying, like they've never had this experience like this. Well, wait a minute. We had this one time before. And somebody says, I think it's Jesus. I think it's Jesus. And Peter says, He leaves all them jokers back to full with the fish. And he gets to the shoreline and there's Jesus. And he's already making breakfast. Come on, somebody. He's got the fire going. He's got the eggs going. Come on, he's got that that, that biscuit with a little bit of gravy on the side. I don't know about you, let's go. We don't need the rest of this. (laughs) There's no bacon, I just wanna point that out. Some of you will catch that later, but there's no bacon. <laughs> Jesus sits them down. The guys can't get the net in the boat, so they just drag it behind the boat, jump out in the waste deep water and begin to try to pull it up to the shore, which is a dangerous thing if you're fishing with a net because you don't know what's under the water that it can catch on, tearing the net, letting all the fish loose. So it's this is big ordeal, ordeal. It doesn't take three minutes. don't take five minutes. This is an hour-long process, two-hour-long trying to get, and they're counting the fish, and they're like, we scored lottery. I mean, we won. We hit the jackpot. They're having that expression. Jesus is standing there. They're like, Jesus is here. Jesus is, I can't, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thanks for the fish, and so forth and so on. And wait a minute, we're fishing, and he came into our, into our going back into our old ways. He shows up in that. And even in that, he blesses us. He made us successful, even though we've walked away from what he asked us to do. Because that's the kind of love that he expresses. Why? Because he's after something. What's he after? He's after breaking that shame. So then he says, Hey, Peter, you got a moment? Let's have a little walk down the shoreline, have a little talk. So picking up and Verse 15, John chapter 21, it says, and when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, your mama ever used all three of your names? Are you Brazilians or Hispanic folks, all four of your names? Right? Adam, Michael, McCain. We need to talk. He ever yelled it out in the mall or something? All three of your names. Simon. Son of John. Didn't call him Peter. Didn't call him by his nickname. Simon, son of John. Do you truly love me more than these? He's not talking about the fish. He's not talking about the disciples. He's talking about the whole thing that he's walked away from the call on his life to go back to his old way of living. Do you love me more than all of this? I know this is attractive right now. I know that you think that you've resolved that you can't be who I've asked you to be. And I know this is the easy pathway where you were successful back in the day. And it's all you knew back in the day. But son, you spent three years with me. And I've called you out of that. And I've called you into my marvelous life. And do you really love me? And I love Peter's response. He says, you know that I love you. And Jesus responded with, then feed my lambs. Verse 16, again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And there have been many preachers that have taken that word love and Jesus is asking him, they said, you know, they used the different Greek words that the first word was phileo, love do you, love me like a brother. And then he ends up, do you love me like God almighty, agape love? And, and there's some truth in that, but there's so much more happening than just that. And he says, yes, you know that I love you. He says, Jesus, you know, I love you. He said, then again, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, a third time, everybody say a third time. Say it again, say a third time. He says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus isn't having a mental breakdown that he's asking the same question. Did I ask you something earlier? What did I ask you? I just want to know, do you love me? He's not having a mental breakdown where he's asking the same question three times because he can't remember that he's already asked him. He's not just even dealing with the fact that he denied him three times. Jesus is doing something culturally that every Jewish person would've understood that you and I probably don't understand. And Jesus is taking him through a restoration process. He's saying, listen, buddy, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then do what I told you to do. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then do what I told you to do. Do, do. do you love me? Yes, God, Jesus, you know I love Then do what I told you to do, because you've quit on believing that I have a purpose and a plan for your life. You get gave up on it because of the stupid shame, son. You don't even, don't you understand? I resurrected and I stomped every bit of shame and sin. I destroyed it. Come into the resurrection with me. Stop going back to your old way of thinking that it's by your own strength that you can accomplish stuff. In your own strength, you denied me. You lied three times because in your own strength, you were trying to be good. You can't be good without the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you. You can't live this thing out unless you walk in the newness of life, the new covenant relationship. And what's happened is you've broken away from me, and you're back trying to do it in your own strength. Do you know where this is going to end up? Son, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then do what I told you to do. Stay in the pocket. Do what I told you to do. Stand in the batter's box. Even if you're scared of that fast pitch, stay in the batter's box. Jesus was bringing him through a personal renewal ceremony. That's what he was doing. There are four times in the Old Testament that God brings his people through a renewal ceremony. One of the most notable times is in the book of Joshua. Joshua stands before the people of God, and they have literally been (coughs) carnal. Sinful, if you will. Some of you have heard this from old sermons from your past churches or maybe even here, where Joshua stands up in front of the people and he begins to remind all the Jewish people, you know what God did for us? He brought us out of Egypt. You know what he did for your forefathers? How he saved them out of this and he starts taking them down the list and they're all listening, yes, 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 yes. And then he, and then he turns it on them and he says, but you and me, we've gone back into our old, our old sin. And God wants to know today, will we serve him or will we serve the wickedness of this old world system that we've been living in for the last however many months and years. And then Joshua stands up and he makes a declaration. He goes, I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the Bible says that in that declaration, as he says that, there's some type of illusion that he looks out at them and says, and what will you do? And the people yell out we will serve the lord and joshua says okay thank you for that one response let me remind you though there are going to be moments going forward you're going to be tempted to go back to your old sinfulness it's more common to you to be sinful than it is for you to live righteous you're going to want to go back to that but i have a question for you what will you do and again for a second time the people yell out in the book of joshua we will serve the lord and joshua says well let me just bring you through one more time let me. Come, I, I picture he's like that coach in the locker room, you know, at, at, at halftime, and they down by 14 points. He says, I want to know. Do you want to win? I want to know. Come on, listen to me here, boys. Put your heads up and look at me, boys. You're not blocking? You're not doing your job? Do you want to lose right here, right now, and never make it to the state championship? Or do you want to win? We want to win. I said, do you want to win? We want to win. Do you want
1: to win? We want to win. Yeah,
0: let's go. That's what Josh was doing. And by the third time, the people yell out, we will serve the Lord. And that then became a cultural piece of how the Jewish people would be restored back to the Lord. He wanted three declarations because it is a sign, yes, we will. No, 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 will you really? Do you understand? Uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, no, we will. No, no, I want to know. Will you give me everything and follow? Yes, we will. And he brings them through. And four times in the Old Testament, similar situations. So by the time you get to this moment with Peter and Jesus, Jesus is going after the shame. He's going after the guilt. He's going after the sinful nature. And he's saying, listen, I'm not going to let you die. I want to know. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Hmm. Then do what I told you to do. Hey, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then do what I told you to do, feed my sheep. Walking a little bit, skipping rocks. Hey, Peter, yes, sir, do you love me? Jesus, you know everything. That's right, I do. Do you love me? Jesus wasn't ignorant of whether or not Peter loved him. Jesus wanted him to go through a restoration process So that he could prove to his own self Speak to his own inner man I love Jesus, I love Jesus I will do what Jesus told me to do Sometimes we all just need to kick in the butt Do you love Jesus or will you continue in the shame And the guilt of all your brokenness Or will you rise up and say you know what As for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord We might not have did it all right We might have stopped tithing We might start lying again We might looking over at this over here And cheating on God over here But as for me and my house from this point forward We're going to serve the Lord And that's what he's doing He's restoring him aren't you grateful that jesus comes and finds you in the midst of your stupidity and he says do you love me yeah yeah i love you do what i told you to do do you love me yeah 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 yeah." some of you being at this church it's your second time with jesus says he's going do you love me yes i do then do what i told you to do he's bringing you through a restoration process and i'm so grateful that Jesus went after Peter he didn't say well I hope it works out buddy because you're a liar you said you would do this and you didn't Jesus knows we don't have the strength and our own ability to live this thing out and walk holy and be godly people he knows that we were born into sin and we have a sin nature but the power of the resurrection is that he overcame that. And then he brings us in to that powerful resurrection spirit. And we're able to walk in the newness of life because we follow him and do what he said instead of trying to do it in our own strength. Are you tracking it all? Is this making sense? Amen. And he brings him through this whole thing. And I want to just help you because I have found on a daily basis, I need reinstatement. I have found on a daily basis, I need renewal, are you tracking with me? So let me give you what I would say is three daily choices that you and I need to make. You ready, write these down, they will change your life. Three daily choices that I make and I think you need to learn to make so that we can walk in the renewal process of what he has for us. Number one, you and I should choose every day repentance over arrogance. Repentance, Why, why is repentance a dirty word? Who gave that to you, that's a lie. Repentance is glorious. You're new to our church, and you've probably never heard me explain this, but I see repentance like this. Imagine you're in the Olympics. This is your big moment. You run the 100 meter. You're lined up in the blocks, and they say, pow, and you go, and you stumble and fall, and they all keep running. And you stand up and say, I'm so sorry. I blew it. I stumbled. I sinned. Can we do it over? Yeah, everybody come back. Let's do it again. Okay. That's Repentance. You and I get to say, I, I have blown that. I, I'm so sorry. Can I get a do-over? Yeah. Forgiven. Try again. Come on, let's go. So that's not going to count against my record? No, 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 no. Because your record's been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb of what I did. I, I did 2,000 years ago. Try again, buddy. You got this. I'm with you in this. I, repentance over arrogance. You know what the Word of God says? That God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Some of you are struggling because you're eat up with arrogance. You're eat up with pride. You know the difference between arrogance and repentance? I'll give you a couple thoughts. Arrogance refuses to take responsibility. Arrogance cannot take responsibility. Repentance is, I did it. I did it. In all of its ugliness, I did it. That's repentance. Arrogance won't let you do that. Arrogance refuses to take responsibility. Here's another difference between arrogance and repentance, and that is arrogance battles, or excuse me, belittles the damages that it causes. Well, it ain't that big of a deal. Ain't that big of a deal. I ain't really hurt nobody. I was just, I, you know, my porn addiction is just me. That ain't hurting anybody. It belittles the damage. Whereas repentance is, oh, God, my sin breaks relationship with you. It's so not like you. Oh, and I don't even know the effects it's having on my children or my co-workers or my calling or my destiny. But arrogance, like it's no big deal. I don't wanna, it belittles the damage that it actually causes. Oh, it's not that big. I don't understand why everybody's being blah, blah, blah. That's just you know what that is? That's that that, that that's just people, that's religion. That's just religion. to be religious. Here's the other difference between arrogance and repentance, and that is arrogance always blames others someone else's fault you wouldn't have done this if they wouldn't have done that was, you know if they would have been if they would have been a better this a better small group leader if I would had this my wife would have been da 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 what repentance does is say you know what it's me it's me I'm sure they had something to do with it but that's that's between them and God me oh God repentance choosing that everyday friend can I tell you the happiest people in this church are people who are quick to repent to own it and say I did it They're the happiest Christians I know around the nations of the world. You know why? Because they say, you know what? I understand. I cannot live for God in my own strength. It wasn't until Peter took responsibility and he (laughs) repented did all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that, that shame began to lift. Come on, somebody. That guilt was taken and thrown as far as the east is to the west. And that shame lost its power because Jesus reinstates him as he repents. Instead of being arrogant, like, you know, whatever. I mean, you said we were gonna do this and then you did that. I, I mean, I just don't understand what happened here. I thought we'd be reigning and ruling. And now look at us. Like, we don't even have, I don't even have an income source. What am I gonna do now? I followed you for three years, I don't have any money. No, no, he repented. Which brings me to the third daily choice that you and I need to learn how to make. And that is we need to choose confession over concealment. Confession over concealment. James chapter five and verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Notice how it says, therefore confess your sins to the high, to the priest who is more holier than everyone else and will absolve you of those sins. Oh wait, it doesn't say that. Confess your sins one to another. You don't need another priest. You have a priest, his name is Jesus. No one else between us and the father, Jesus. And then he says, healing confess one to another because concealment allows sin to continue to grow but when you pull that weed out by its roots and you put it out in the sunlight that it dries up and dies when you just weed whack it and you keep the roots underneath the ground it continues just to reproduce and reproduce that's why concealment is so wicked because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God I'm telling you the people that walk in such favor they're so quick. I've, listen, 30 something years of full-time ministry. The people who just say, you know what, I did it. I just wanna confess that. And whatever, it, whatever I have to go through, I just wanna go through years ago. When I was a young minister, I was, I, um, I worked at this really large church and the founding pastor, um, <clears throat> one day I was, I was acting a fool. After work, I was 19, 20 years old. And I decided I was gonna cut through the lawn of the church. Just being stupid. I'm gonna go off-roading through the freshly manicured lawn. I don't know what happened, demons, whatever you wanna call it. I just had this mental breakdown moment. Like, I was showing off for some friends, and I take off through the lawn. And out walks the founding pastor out of the door. As my car goes zipping past the door as he's throwing open the, the entryway to this particular facility. And, and you could see him, you know, he's in his 70s at this time. He was like, oh! And I was like, oh, my God. I just Three, four days. I'm like, I'm going to go to hell. I'm, I'm burning forever. <laughs> burning forever. I was just waiting for the executive pastor to call me in and say, you're fired. Know, I was just waiting for it, waiting for it. I couldn't take it. I'd be in the middle of worship. And I'm like, God, i that's just so terrible. I cut through the grass. And my Lord says, why don't you go confess that? I was like, maybe he doesn't know. He's old. Maybe he didn't see me. And I can get away with it. And I kept doing it. Maybe I'll get away with it. Maybe I'll get away with it. And finally, the Spirit of the Lord, because He was teaching me. See, it's in the little things. It's in the little things. That wasn't that big of a deal. I get it. I grant. I mean, you know. That, but that again, that's the difference between repentance. Come on, are you with me? And so, and so, our pride. And so, I finally, I just went, okay, I'm gonna go sit down with him. I sat down with him, and I said, sir, I need to have a meeting with you. He said, okay. I said, um. About uh, six months ago now? No, I mean, it wasn't that long. I, I, didn't, I waited for like a week or two. And I said, a couple weeks ago, you were walking out of the such and such building, and I was showing off, and I was driving through the lawn in my car, and I just want to repent. I know you worked really hard over the years to found this church, and I would imagine you spent a lot of money to make that lawn look nice. And I, I disrespected that. I just I want to ask you to forgive me, and whatever you want to do, if you want to fire me, whatever. Oh, he was so gracious. He said, oh, son, we all act a fool every now and then. Reach your head a little closer to me then he laid his head on my head. He said, Lord, I just drive out all foolishness out of this young man. I'm like, yes, all foolishness. Go foolishness. See the difference in a repentant heart, though? And then one who conceals instead of confesses? Oh, my goodness. Take your licks. Bring it out. Let's not live in concealment. Are you still tracking with me? Say yes. First John chapter one, verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Which brings me to number three, last and final piece. And that is choose daily calling over comfort. Peter was going back to what was comfortable. It was comfortable, it was easy. Calling can be difficult, it's a stretch. God, you want me to do what? You want me to help who? You want me to be faithful to what? You want me to lead a small group? Are you kidding me? You want me to go on a mission trip? Are you kidding me, Lord? You want me to, but what? Like, wow, it's just, I mean, wow, that's going to cost me this. And the effort's going to choose calling over comfort. You want me to pray for that person right there at work? I don't even like that person. Choose calling over comfort. This is the beauty of of the reinstatement process. So he says, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then choose calling over comfort, son. Do you love me more than all of this? I know this is comfortable. I know fishing is comfortable for you. But do you love me more than this? Yes, I do. Then feed my sheep. Then take care of my lambs. Then feed my sheep. Do what I told you to do. I know it's not comfortable. I know it's not easy. Years ago, when my kids were younger and still living in my home, I came to an understanding that I didn't want to correct them just on bad behavior just for the sake of being good and not being bad I had a revelation that I should correct them according to their calling not according to good and bad and so when they would want to date some person who was wicked and they would sneak the text messaging back and forth to them or want to go hang out with them you know somewhere that they shouldn't have I wouldn't correct them based on how wicked they were. I would correct them on, you're not called to that. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. Why would you go down this path? Do you love Jesus? Yes, I love Jesus. Then why would you disobey and live in sin? You have a calling. One day you'll stand in front of thousands and preach the gospel. You will raise up the next generation of great men and women. You know, because from the time my daughter, my middle child, was born, I, I had a word from the, that she would be a prophetess in the house of the Lord. She'd be a seer. She would know what was coming before it was coming. That's what prophets are supposed to do. They're supposed to be seers and, and know God's voice when others can't hear his voice. And I would always say, why? Why, why do you want to go out dancing with those guys? Do you understand where that's going? And she never did, but she was tempted like anyone, any one of us. And I would call her into her calling. I would call my son into his calling, into his purpose. Mimi did that with me why would you go down that road of wickedness don't you understand where that's gonna lead and Frank can I tell you something it is calling that's standing in front of you today it is calling it's not that I was better than all the other dudes and I did I wasn't tempted in sin and sending everybody else I chased after calling I did what Jesus told me to do Jamie and I have laid down everything just to follow him day in and day out and that's why we got 29 years of purity that's why we got 29 years of faithfulness not because we're so good because we are stronger than everybody else we just kept chasing after Calling, doing what he told us to do. So all the other stuff, all the sinfulness, all the wickedness. See, uh, sin and temptation to sin is just simply because you're bored. That's the bottom line in my mind. If people don't, you know, the, the the biggest problem with the younger generation is not drugs and sexuality and all this stuff. It's boredom. They don't have a purpose. They don't have a reason. And so why not smoke weed? Why not consider? Well, maybe I was supposed to be a girl. I mean, why not think all these things? Why? Because you don't have purpose. But when you know your purpose and you got calling active in your life. Then you wake up every day and you say, let's go, Jesus. Let's go feed the sheep, Jesus. I'm going to feed the sheep because I know who I am and I'm not under condemnation because of my sinfulness. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. I repented of that yesterday. He took it and he threw it, threw it as far as the east is to the west. I confessed my sins to those who I hurt. I repented of that. I made those things right. And yes, I've got to rebuild some trust. Yes, I've got to fix some things and be faithful in the fixing of those things because of my sinfulness. But at the end of the day, I am a forgiven son of the Most High God. And I am fulfilling what he told me to do. Even though I have st- stumbled and slipped and broke, down a couple of times he is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords and I'm right there with you. and then as you know Peter goes on to change the world he goes on he's not like a Judas who went and killed himself and ended it and ended purpose and killed himself he goes on as Jesus reinstates him he goes on and he changes the world for Jesus in fact they said of him and some others who are these men who are turning the world upside down who are these uneducated not trained up men but we can tell they've been like Jesus because they acted like Jesus. He's doing what Jesus did. I don't know what shame you're carrying, but I know who the king of shame is. And I know the end goal of shaming you. And I know what it is to hide sin and the difficulty that it brings into a life. Friend, I would encourage you today, let Jesus reinstate you. Let him bring you through this process Of making you into who he called you to be I want you to stand quickly with me across the room
1: as we speak your life is being changed by the word of the Lord so here's what I want you to do take some time to think about it consider it pray and ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week and maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life so let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we wanna know, we wanna know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place, Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.